Welcome to an inspirational Sunday message from Found Church. We hope you will be challenged and encouraged while listening to this message. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our church website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Psalm 37 verse 23, which says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Um, So I've been reading through the Psalms kind of in my daily devotions. And um, when I got to Psalm 37, I felt like God just really spoke to me through this Psalm. And I actually spent a few days kind of going back and rereading it. Um, because there's so much in there that's so good and I would recommend that you read it. I, I could have read the whole thing but it was, it's quite long so um, we're just going to f- focus on that one verse today but there's just so much good stuff in that psalm. It's full of promises and um, t- to be quite honest reading my Bible I, I like to do it with a plan and that kind of thing because I find sometimes when you go right in and read stuff it can be hard to maybe understand different aspects um, so I've been using a Bible commentary. It's a free app on your phone if anyone's interested. It's called Enduring Word. Um, and when I went in to, to look at this psalm in, in that app, it says that it's uh, um, it's titled Wisdom Over Worry. And it's a psalm written by David encouraging us and teaching us in a way that's kind of similar to how Proverbs is written. So, um, yeah, there's so much good stuff in it. But that verse, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So there's kind of two parts to that verse. So first part about uh, directing our steps. And it's it's all about the godly as well. And then the second part is about God delighting in the details. So I'm going to take the second part and then Gregor will come up and he'll do the godly part. Um, so I love this verse for a lot of reasons. Um, but I think one of the key reasons is because I am a details person. Does anybody else like details? I don't know. Um, I love details. I love um, lots of different aspects of details. So for example, like when we were wedding planning this time, like five years ago, I just remember just loving all the little bits and kind of spending time on things that probably a lot of people don't care about, like table names or like thinking about what are we going to call that or making bits and pieces and and wondering how it would all pull together and how the little details would help bring it in and I just love that kind of thing and I also this some of you might think this is a bit sad but I actually love to proofread <laughs> things so um, I proofread kind of I, I do a devotional book actually so I mean if there's any mistakes in that for this year you can come and let me know I might I do miss things but um, at work they kind of they call me Hawkeye because they say that I pick up on things that that sometimes get missed which sometimes is actually bad because then we have to go back and sort it but I just love the little details and I love to notice things Um, and I think sometimes we can kind of I find it encouraging sorry when I read this verse that God delights in details and as somebody who loves details that really spoke to me that God who has so much on you know like the god of the whole world he's interested in all of our lives and he actually delights in the details of our lives and i think that's so encouraging that the god who made the whole world 
delights and is interested in the small things in our lives. And I think it can be easy for us sometimes to, to look at God and look at all the, the things happening in the world and even like there's so much on the news and, and just so many big things that it can be easy for us to think, oh, God's like got enough on, you know, he doesn't need to hear about the small things in, in our lives. But um, that, that shows us that verse, he actually delights in the details and the he wants to hear us talk to him about anything. The small things, the big things, there's nothing too small. There's no prayer too small for God. And in the Bible, throughout God's word, we can see lots of examples that can encourage us with regards to God delighting in the details. So in Luke 12, verse 17, it says, and the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And I don't know anybody that knows the number of hairs on their heads. I don't know if anyone thinks that they do. Maybe if you have particularly few, you can maybe, you maybe know. Um, but I certainly don't. But I think that's so cool that God knows that about us. He knows the, the details, the number of hairs on your head. Um, and another example is in Psalm 56, verse 8, where it says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. I think that's amazing that God collects all our tears. You know, in a way, can, you're like, what? It's a bit weird, but it's cool to think that God cares enough about all of those things in our life. And think about a tear, like that is something so small, but it says that God collects them and that he records them in his book. And I used to get wound up in my family quite easily. I'm the youngest, so I used to cry quite a lot. I feel like I'm not as emotional as I used to be, but maybe, I don't know, I'm a rolo, so I mean, we could. Um, but then, well, I'm a Mackay, but I'm still a rolo, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but uh, I think my bottle in heaven is probably quite large. Like, there's maybe some people that have small bottles. Mine is probably quite big. But it's cool that God still records each of those things in our lives. And I think in the life of Jesus as well, we can see examples where Jesus cares about details and, and he goes and speaks to people and he knows things about their lives. Like the woman at the well, he speaks to, like details in her life and, and also at the wedding where they ran out of wine and he turns the water into wine. Do you know that's like that maybe it's just a, a part, you know, a detail at a wedding, what, what you drank, but God cared about that. And at that time, that would have been a really big deal. And he cared and Jesus cared and he turned the water into wine. We see him perform a miracle. So today I want to encourage you that God cares about all of the details of your life. Even the smallest things in your life are important to God and you can bring it to him because he cares. And there's been moments in my own life where I've prayed about things that might seem completely insignificant, but God has answered. And um, we were just chatting and trying to think about things. And this is such a silly example, but I just, this was what I felt that like God had kind of reminded me to say. Um, but I remember being in London, I think I was about 14. It was mum and dad and I, and um, we just went for a day and I, I remember saying I would love to see a famous person in London, which is so, so silly. It's so insignificant. It's not a big deal at all. But when I was 14, I was like, I really want to see someone famous in London. So I actually prayed. I was like, God, I would love to see somebody famous today. And it, like I say, it's so silly, but I did at 14. Um, and we went all around London and saw the, the sights and everything and we hadn't seen anyone. And I remember we were going to the Tower of London and it was like kind of the last stop 
Um, and we were going from there, I think, to go right back on the tube to go. We were staying near Manchester, so we just gone down for the day. And um, we pressed the button to cross the road. And we were like, look at that car. That's a fancy car. And it was a Jaguar that was like a Union Jack. And at the time, I mean, some of you are like, this probably isn't even a celebrity, but I loved this program called Made in Chelsea, which is a load of rubbish. I've not watched it in a long, long time. But it was a guy from Made in Chelsea, and he'd actually stopped to let us cross the road. And so I was like, that's it, Swanson. And so I, then I, and he saw me, and he was waving, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, And I, do you know, it's so silly. Firstly, probably not a real celebrity. Secondly, like, it's totally insignificant. But I believe that was God showing me that he cares about small things and that he does answer prayers and it at 14 I was like do you know what that's cool if God cares enough about that like do you know he cares so much about all the big things in our life too and when we were chatting about this Gregor was saying that, um, in Genesis there's a verse and it says God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night he also made the stars and it's just like that kind of throwaway line of he also made the stars, but God cares about these finishing details and the parts that make things really special and memorable and, and almost mind-blowing to us. And, and it's funny because celebrities are also known as stars sometimes, but um, I think like when we look at the stars, they're a huge part of like every day we see the stars. There's so many of them and it's a big deal to us, but the way that God is like in the Bible, it just says he also made the stars. Like, do you know, he cares about kind of those, that was an extra detail to him but he cares about those extra details. And I think in the journey we have with God, it's a long journey sometimes, and each step is a small detail, but God cares about every step that we take and the promises that are in each step. Um, And I think when we can see that God cares about the small things, that can encourage us even more to trust him with the big things. And if God cares enough to keep my tears in a bottle, doesn't he care even more about health and family, our heart's desires, our jobs, just every aspect, all these big things. If he cares enough to show me a random C-list celebrity in London, you know, I'm sure he cares much more about the big things that are in my life. And I think sometimes we can be put off talking to God about things because we think, oh, he already knows everything. He's he's a big God. He, and, and it says that in his word. He knows all about us. He knew us before we were born, before before um, yeah, before we were born, he formed us in our mother's womb, it says. But and he knows all of that. But he still wants to hear it from us. And I think that's something that we can sometimes miss. But he yeah, he knows, but he loves to hear our voice. And maybe you're a parent here and you know lots about your child, but I'm sure you love it more when your child says things to you and they tell you things and um, t- tell you what's important to them. And I know my mum and dad love to hear my chat, even if it's just random stuff. They're always asking things about me. And uh, I think that we can make that comparison with our Heavenly Father, that he wants to hear all about us. He wants to hear the small things in our life. And we can have that kind of open conversation with him about the big and the small So let's not be shy in sharing our details and trusting that God cares and he delights in these. Um, So I'm going to hand over to Gregor and he's going to take the other part of the verse. Yeah, God really cares about the details of our lives. And I have a similar story to to Bethany, but see, see when you're a young person and you hear or when you're thinking or you're just learning about who God is, and you pray a prayer that you think this is really insignificant and God answers it, 
then that really does something for your faith. It really does something. I remember when I was, um, I must be about 17 or 18, and I had this pair of Beats headphones, and I loved these headphones. Bethany actually gave, gave me them. And I remember one day I'd lost them, and I was like, oh no. And so I was like everywhere looking for them. They were quite expensive headphones, but, uh, but yeah, I remember looking for them and searching everywhere. And I, I, was, I was getting really upset about this. I don't know if anybody else is like this. If you lose something, it just consumes like every part of your mind. Like you're like, you need to find them. That's me, right? And I remember, I remember telling uh, John Daniel about, about this. I don't even know if he remembers this, but I remember telling him that I'd lost these headphones and he says, let's pray. And we prayed that I would find these headphones. And I ended up going to the Larbert High School car park and looked where I'd parked my car. And on the floor were a broken set of Beats headphones. And even though they were broken, I was glad that I found them because I was like, do you know what? They might be broken, but it's not on my mind anymore. And God cares about that. And there's, God cares about the details. But the first part of that, that one, uh, that, that verse in Psalm 37, verse 23, 23, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. In the NIV, it also says the one, the Lord makes firm the steps in the one who delights in him. And then the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Those are from the NLT, NIV, and ESV. They're all talking about what, what is godly? Like that's, what does it mean to be godly? That's a really important question, like when it comes to our life. And, and, um, another, another, in those versions it says, the ones who delight, delights in him or delights in his way. And every step that we take should be in the direction of being more like Jesus. Being godly, delighting in him, delighting in his way. And it's a purposeful thing to decide to live a godly life. And the New Testament godliness is, is a reverent awareness of God's sovereignty over every aspect of our life. And an attendant de- determination to honor him in all of your conduct and everything that we do. Godliness and holiness really like are one, they're, they're, they're almost like one run reality. And these are joined in, if you look at First Timothy 2 verse 2 and Second Peter 3 verse 11 if you're looking into it but godliness depends also on knowing God's truth God's revealed truth Paul speaks about knowledge of truth that leads to godliness and of godly sorrow that leads to salvation so knowing who God is but also knowing knowing our own shortcomings as well and Peter declares that God's divine power has been has given us everything that we need for a godliness through the knowledge of him. God imparts knowledge of himself by revealing his son. And the godly person is committed to obeying God in the world. It says in John 9 verse 31, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. And really all part of this is like listen, is like thinking, it's all part of a discipleship journey, isn't it? It's all part of a process of godliness. Because godliness and holiness... We're not, none of, the only person that's holy is God. But the only person that is like God is, is God. But God wants to help us in a process of making us like Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit comes and works in our lives for a process that is to make us like Jesus. He's like a sculptor that's chipping away every part of it that doesn't look like the piece of art that it's going to be. God, God wants to shape us, but we have to give ourselves to him. We have to say it's a, it's a purposeful thing to say, Jesus, I hand my life over to you to make me more like you. 
God, I'm giving myself over to you so that you can make me more like your son. And so in this discipleship journey, this molding journey that we're all on, are we taking steps? Are we taking steps to put ourselves in positions to be shaped like, shaped to be more like Jesus? Do we grow in our awareness of God's sovereignty? Do we um, grow in our knowledge of the truth of our own shortcomings where God needs to work? Do we grow in our knowledge of God and like, do, you, do we know who he is? Do we know his nature? Do we know what his character is like? And obedience, I think this is a really hard one. <laughs> I, think, I think obedience is a really hard one. I, 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 um, I, I, I've been known to bend rules or to say, so when, when, when me and Bethany first started going out, um, I was doing an internship in church and one of the things that was said was advised. I remember looking at the handbook to see if I could, if it was allowed that I would be able to ask Bethany out. And it was, it said, it is, we advise, we advise not, do not. It said, we advise not to, to start any relationships during this time. So small print is important people, but <laughs> I, I think obedience is a hard one, but God calls us to obedience. And there's a contra- contrast in part to godliness as well. The contrast in part to godliness is, believe it or not, ungodliness. And ungodly behavior, by nature, is destructive. It says in Proverbs 11 verse 9, it says, With his mouth the godless destroys his neighbor. It's disastrous when a nation loses um, the, the influence of, pe- of people who know God. It says in Psalm 12, verse 1, it says, Help, Lord, for the godly are no more, the faithful have vanished from among men. And then in Micah 7, verse 2, the godly have been swept from the land, and not one upright man remains. And in each of these passages it's talking about, there's, there's stuff that's going wrong. There's stuff that's going wrong in the places where these, these people are writing these Psalms, where people are writing these, these books in the Bible. There's stuff that is not right, and it's it's because there's destruction that's coming from turning away from God and doing our own thing. And it's because when, 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 when we think about our selfish behaviors, it's very inward. And sometimes it's just like, it's like a bulldozer. It's like a freight train. You, when we've got our, our blinkers on and we're self, selfish or we're thinking about our own things, we don't, it, doesn't, we don't, it doesn't matter what damage is done outside because the blinkers are done. But God wants us to call us into obedience and see. God wants us, God wants to uphold us because there's be t- there'll be times when we do, do things that aren't, aren't godly. There'll be times when we do things that, aren't, that, that are destructive. There'll be times when we do these things. But one of the things that I think is incredible is in, in one of the parts of that, of Psalm 37, it says in verse 24, after verse 23, which I think is incredibly encouraging. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds him. It's like, though he fall, he'll not go plummeting forward, because the Lord upholds his hand. God wants to uphold us. Which leads to my next point of, like, through my own discipleship journey, I know that there's, there's, there's been people that have been willing to help me grow. There's been people that have been willing to help me take a step towards godliness or take a step towards the plan that Jesus has called me into. And there's heaps and heaps of times that I've failed. I don't have enough fingers to count the amount of times where I've said I would do something and then I sleep in or absolutely forget about it or just like do do something and just what I've produced is just rubbish. Like, and when I've read and when I've not read my Bible and felt so far from God. God will put people around you that will help 
encourage you. Because if you're on a step of God, if you're on a step and you're purposefully aiming towards godliness, even though you fail, right? If you're taking those steps towards godliness, I guarantee God will put people around you that will help you and that will encourage you. Things in church even, for example, like life groups. Being in a life group, you, you've purpose, if you've chosen to be in a life group, you've purposely made a decision to put yourself in a position on track towards godliness, on a track towards being more like Jesus. And in, the, in those places, people will be around you that will help you and encourage you when you fall short. God will surround you with people, with godly people who will help you. And to be godly, to be godly, we must engage with Jesus. We must engage with Jesus. When I talk about that, when, we're, when we have God, godless behavior or ungodly behavior, we've got blinkers on. But closeness, closeness with Jesus gives, gives us perspective which helps guard against wickedness. In the Bible, in, in, that, in, in Psalm 37, it talks an awful lot about the, like, wickedness. And in Psalm, it does talk about guard yourself from the wickedness, wicked and ungodly. It talks about these things. And closeness with Jesus gives us perspective for what is happening in our own life and helps guard us against these behaviors. Jesus himself lived a life by which we aim to live ourselves. And when we look at the life of Jesus, when you read the book, when you read the Gospels, you think, oh my goodness, how, how can you, what a high standard, how on earth are we meant to, to reach that? But God, God himself wants to help us, and actually being close to Jesus will help us in that journey. I talk about the, Jesus, right from the very time when he was born, he was different. He was born of a virgin, and in that self, in itself, that is significant, yes, yeah, the Christmas story is getting mentioned here. It might be a bit early for some people, but it's getting mentioned, right? But when we're talking about the virgin birth, it's saying that Jesus was set apart because when Adam sinned in Genesis, and it's all the way through, sin was an inherent part of this, this world that we we're born into. It's an inherent part of our nature. And when Jesus is born of the Holy Spirit, there's something different. That His nature is not sin. His nature is God. His nature is godliness. And whenever he went around, Jesus is fully man and born of, born of, born of the Holy Spirit. But every man's born with this inherent, and, and basically Jesus born of the Holy Spirit and God is inherently sinless. His nature is part of who Jesus is. And however, Jesus still lived in a world where sin was everywhere. The opportunity to sin was everywhere and frequent. And yet he did no sin. Yet he did no sin. And there's significance here of when Jesus is going around living with people, one of the things that Jesus is called is he is called a friend of sinners. And I think that is incredible. And that, that, that phrase back then would have been used to, dis, used to describe somebody in a horrible, horrible way. That was a name that people did not want to be called. They did not want to be called a friend of sinners. And yet Jesus takes it and he exclaims it. He's like, Absolutely, I'm a friend of sinners. Absolutely, I'm a friend to those that you have deemed outcast. I'm a friend to those that you have deemed unclean. Because the Pharisees and Jesus, the religious leaders of the time, they clashed. The Jewish culture and people like being unclean and unworthy was something that was thrown out all the time. People that didn't uphold the Sabbath, like for example, that was a big thing for them, like taking, like, taking rest. They'd warped it into something different, but when they didn't do that, they were, out, they were outcasts when they had a disease that they couldn't help themselves. They were deemed as unclean. And Jesus was not captive by sin, 
not subdued by it, but he had authority over it. And everyone that Jesus touched or engaged with or encountered experienced life. And the man, for example, there was a man with leprosy. And leprosy was one of those, one of those, if, if you had leprosy back then, you were, not only were you deemed unclean, you weren't even allowed to be within the same place as other people. You were literally thrown out of cities. There, there was le, le, leprosy colonies that they had to go and live, live. And Jesus approaches this man with leprosy. And if Jesus has been seen to touch this man with leprosy, he probably would have been said, you're unclean. But actually, when Jesus touched the man with leprosy, the leprosy did not touch, did not pass on to Jesus, but instead healing flew flew out of Jesus and onto this man. Jesus was not the fact that that person was deemed as unclean did not make Jesus un, unclean. The fact that that person had touched Jesus made that person clean, made that person whole, made that person have life. Instead of so the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible, just instead of by being near Jesus or by, t- by t- even touching Jesus' garment, that in the eyes of the Jewish leaders, that would, have made, that would have made Jesus unclean. That's not what happens. And by touching just Jesus' clothes, healing comes out of Jesus and makes this woman clean. Suddenly the stigma of all the things that she'd been experiencing in her life, of rejection, of just brokenness, same with the man with leprosy, outcast. Jesus says, you're, you're in my family. Jesus says, you're whole and you're restored. He brings life. And when, the boy, when Jesus touched the boy who had died, if, 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 you touched an, if you touched the dead body back then, Jewish culture again, it would have made you unclean. But instead, when Jesus touched the dead body, the body became alive. Everything Jesus touches is made new, restored, and alive. And your path to godliness will be impacted by how close you are to Jesus. Because the moment when we say, in our lives, and it's still what happens today, when we say, I'm going to be close to Jesus, see all those details in those stories. The details of God was not, God was not affected by the culture. Jesus came to change the culture. Jesus didn't come to be subdued by what they deemed to be unclean or unworthy. Jesus came to restore and to make whole. There's details in that, like Bethany said. And Jesus, just like those people he changed the life of, he'll also bring wholeness and life to you. Will you take a purposeful step to grow in your awareness of God's sovereignty, knowledge of the truth of your own shortcomings, where God needs to work, knowledge of God and who he is and his nature and what his character is like, the details of God? Will we, be, will we listen in to the details of his character Will we be, be obedient to not just the general things that he says, but the small commands that he calls upon us? And when we fall, though, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. God cares for you, and he loves you, and he wants to help you on the journey of being godly. And a journey is a, a, journey is a, a big thing. It's an A to B destination, isn't it? And the destination is to be like Jesus. But what, do, what happens on a journey is every time we take take a step. We take a step. And when you think about a journey, a step is like a small detail, isn't it? What's the, what's the next step on your journey look like? Maybe the next step is saying, do you know what? I'm going to start by getting close to Jesus. I'm going to start by learning about who he is. And when we take these steps forward in godliness, we can claim the promises included in this psalm, that he directs our steps 
and delights in every detail of our lives. And we're going to invite the band up. You see, godliness has, has fruit. The, and the, godliness has fruit. And when we, are go, when we are godly, we begin to see it in our life. Well, we might not see it, but certainly people will see it. And they'll tell you. Because when we're close to Jesus, life change begins. And it says in this psalm, it says, their children are a blessing and they are generous givers. There's fruit that comes out. And actually, one of the contrasting things is that knowing Jesus will make you humble, but it will also help you in your your life. And it will also mean that there'll be fruit that comes out that sometimes you don't see, but other people will see it. And by this, you'll know that, the Bible says, by this, they'll know that you are my disciples by your love for one another, because love will start coming out of your life. You might not see it, but it's the decision. It's the decision to say, I'm going to be close to Jesus. I'm going to take a step forward. I'm going to take a step towards knowing him. So I'm just going to pray. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Please feel free to contact us through our website, foundchurch.co.uk, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.